0: Tracy. It is 2023. And it's fitting that the 23rd episode of the ASN podcast is the first episode of 2023.
1: 2023 episode 23. It's perfect. I don't think we can do this any other time. I think 20 by the time we hit 2024, we're going to be on what episode 50, (laughs) 60. I guess we're
0: just going to have to wait until episode 24 for 2024. So this is the first and last episode of the ASN podcast this year. So I hope you guys enjoy it.
1: better make it a good one.
0: Yeah, right. It better better be a barn burner. (laughs) Um, Yeah, this was uh, an interesting week, really predominantly dominated by football. But a couple other tidbits here and there. I know you wanted to uh, mention Luka Doncic as well Mm -hmm. and his ridiculous stretch of amazing basketball. Uh before we get into really anything, of course, I want to ask you a few questions about yourself. I would like to ask you how you were doing. How was your New Year's Eve slash New Year's Day? And what did you do?
1: Uh I I'm doing good. Doing pretty good, except for uh that, that Jets lost yesterday. But we're oh, gonna gosh. we're gonna dive into that real soon. Um New Year's Eve was good, quiet New Year's Eve family dinner, uh as usual. Did you make it to twelve? Uh, Yes, I made it to 12. I make it to 12 every night. I, th- I think the last time I didn't make it to 12 uh, was a few hundred days ago. I, I'm, I make it to 12 January 1st through December 31st. Man's working the around the clock. Operates. I'm assuming you made it to 12.
0: Yeah, I did. It's funny. I, I made it to 12 o'clock. I was at my uh, aunt's house and my girlfriend had to work. Uh, she, she worked yesterday in the morning. So as soon as the clock hit, Twelve o'clock, uh, you know, we were saying, "Oh, happy New Year to everyone!" Giving everyone hugs and kisses. You're I ate there, a grape but... of one of the, you know, <laughs> the New Year's grape or whatever. I ate that. And next thing I knew, I turned around. She already had our coats in hand. We left. We 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 said <laughs> Happy New Year, and we left by twelve oh eight. We were out the door, and then, uh, you know, just went home. Yesterday was pretty quiet. Spent it spent it with family. Uh, I was really, really like like you said. I was really looking forward to watching some Jets football. Well, at least we got to see one. New York team make the playoffs yesterday. At least there was that. But yeah, you know, quiet day, quiet. I, I always think New Year's is a little overhyped, so I don't really go uh I don't think I've ever really done anything on New Year's Eve. Maybe that's also why I think that it's overhyped, but oh uh, yeah, you know, quiet. I like to spend it with family and, and just relax and it's it's nice cuz I get I have today, which is Monday, January 2nd off and then tomorrow off as well. So that's nice a little 4-day stretch before I go back to work and uh yeah, I think uh I think we should dive right into it. I think you said you just wanted to mention Luca, but I think it warrants a little bit more of a discussion. I think it warrants it right at the top of the episode itself just how incredible of a stretch of basketball he is playing.
1: Yeah, it's not just that one game, although that one game was ridiculous. He had a you know, for anybody who missed it and I'm not sure how you did uh, 60 points, 21 rebounds, and 10 assists. And of course, the it was against the Knicks. Of course, it's against the Knicks, and you know the funny thing is, the Knicks didn't even have they didn't have Jalen Brunson, and they lost RJ Barrett in the opening minutes, and they still looked like they were going to beat the Mavericks, which in Dallas, which was great, and then they they blew it, and uh, it, this is a, a, a it's a separate storyline, but they blew a nine point lead in 35 seconds, um, which is. Amazing. I don't care who's injured, who's not, like that. That's amazing. That's yeah. skill, amazing. It's,
0: it's amazing on such a bad level. <laughs> <But> <laughs> and I thought, listen, I, you're a Knicks fan as well, right? Yep. I thought we were past this by this point. You know, I, I thought like, I thought maybe we, we have passed the destruction, you know, uh, like the, the crumbling in the last, like, minute. I mean, it is Luka, and he's incredible. But like you said, nine points, doesn't matter who's out there. 35 seconds, that's unbelievable. But uh, another thing, too, a couple things. You know, if you want to have an a all-time performance, just circle whatever game on the calendar is against the Knicks. I'm sure you'll have it. Uh, you know, you think of Curry when he had – well, the Knicks did actually win that game when he had his first 60-point game uh, at the Garden. LeBron had, I think, like his first 50- or 60-point game against the Knicks. Kobe had an incredible performance yeah. against the Knicks. It's just like any any all-time great, you know, just circle the calendar whenever you're playing the Knicks because you're probably going to have 50 or 60. And another thing, too, I kind of feel bad for Luca because it feels like it's just him every single night. I mean, I feel like he's getting next to no help with the rest of the roster, and it's pretty poorly constructed, too. I was looking at it the other day. They're like second-best players, like Spencer Dinwiddie or something.
1: Yeah, listen, my my hot take of the offseason season. Was that they should have went out and gotten Kyrie Irving and just dealt with it? Because you know, I know Luka Doncic kind of plays the role of point guard, but uh, he's kind of he's also positionless. I feel like you need a star, and there weren't really any stars available. Now, Kyrie Irving, you know, for all the issues he caused early in the season, is playing really, really well lately. Yeah. Mets have won ten in a row. If you coach him well, which Jason is a little bit of a tough coach, so if you coach coach him partially, um, you know, you put him in line. Good things can happen. I felt like they needed to do anything they could to get another star around Luca. But um, yeah, you mentioned that he, It seems like he's barely carrying them across the finish line with these ridiculous performances. They, they just Greg Popovich said the other day. Um, he kind of said it jokingly, but I feel like he was only half joking. That we just need it. You know, we're going to hold Luca under fifty points. We got. We just got to hold him under fifty points. And he got fifty one. Luca scored fifty one, and they won by one. If he if he missed one shot, one more shot, he scores forty
0: nine, and it turns out that Popovich is right.
1: So Popovich got that one right, and that that's the state of the Mavericks right now. If you feel like if you hold him under fifty, you might you have a good chance to get that win. But then he's so ridiculously good that he goes in there and scores fifty anyway. But sixty, it's the first sixty twenty ten game ever, ever, ever. Which you know, every, I saw somebody tweet like. Everything, every stat you see, every kind of great performance, is the best game since Wilt Chamberlain. You know, the first the first person who's done this since Wilt Chamberlain. Wilt Chamberlain's always mentioned it was a different era of basketball. Nobody's averaging fifty rebounds or you know, putting up fifty rebounds like he once did. But the fact that one person, you know, can do something that he that Wilt never did in twenty twenty two.
0: I also don't think players are as bad as they were back then. We're to the point where you can't even get fifty rebounds in a game.
1: No, I don't. I don't think it's doable. Although we've seen a, we saw a couple thirty rebound performances lately, so I'm not going to put it past anyone. But uh, the fact that he did something that Will Chamberlain never did is is pretty remarkable. Yeah, it wasn't just a one off. He's he comes back out two nights later and does a has a nice fifty point performance in, in against the Spurs, and um. Well, who knows? He'd Didn't they say? The I think
0: I, I think I read a stat. Correct me if I'm wrong. That said that he's the first player ever to average forty points and a triple double over like a ten game stretch or something like that. He averaged it's gotta like gotta be something like that. I know is, over
1: the last three days because I was compiling some stats for the the weekly NBA weekly leaders post that I do. It's like forty eight. Thirteen and ten, or something like yeah, that. I mean, these numbers are out of this world.
0: Even to average forty points over a ten game stretch is something insane. I mean, like forty points. Imagine a ten game stretch. What is that in the NBA? You play ten games in what three weeks? Maybe.
1: Yeah,
0: that's incredible yeah. that you're that you're. You know, it's almost a month, and you're averaging and forty only, points.
1: I think the Go only comparable stretch or player in recent history is James Harden. Harden was putting up numbers pretty similar to these, um, both the MVP year and the year after. Because the year after, he had a really, really good stretch before uh, before Giannis went and claimed that MVP. But Harden was, I mean, yeah, and it was kind of a similar situation. Even though the Rockets were really good at the time, um, they weren't blowing, teams, blowing a lot of teams out. They were kind of using those ridiculous Harden performances to scrape by some teams. Uh, mostly in 2019. In 2018, they were really good. They were better than than Luka than these Mavericks ever have been. Um, But, yeah, that's really the only comparable stretch was was Harden putting up those insane numbers, triple-double threat every night, 40, 50 points every night. Um, And sure enough, the only two 60-point triple-doubles in NBA history are Harden in January 2018 um, and now Luka in December 2022 only two times it's been done
0: yeah it's it's just an incredible stretch and I feel like it has to be said that it's interesting that the NBA even I mean I guess if you count Jokic back-to-back MVPs the league has basically been dominated by two out of shape white guys for like you know like a two-year three-year stretch now I mean you look at Jokic and, and Donchich and you're like well those guys aren't really athletes and then Jokic is probably the best passing center we've seen in NBA history. And then you got Luca, who doesn't really look like an athlete, who's just absolutely bodying everyone every single night. And it's it's funny. I just thought it was funny to mention. Then you got someone that looks like Giannis, who's dominating. And it's like, well, that guy should be dominating. Look at him. He's a Greek god. And then you look at Jokic, who's like, you know, no muscle tone, like always looks like he has a cold, like, you know.
1: (laughs) I don't want to go off track with this. This is David Stern's legacy. He, the former NBA commissioner, who actually died three years ago yesterday, um, he was the one responsible for moving the NBA international. And now look at who's dominating this league.
0: Yeah, three, three international players,
1: and uh, Doncic. And if you wanted to add a fourth, Embiid. Yeah, he's also pretty having a a great stretch. He's not. He's not up to. He's not going to win an MVP. Unless he has a ridiculous second half, but he's been really good lately. I mean, all these guys—Embiid's from Cameroon, Lucas from Slovenia. You know, it's not even these huge countries. Yeah, Cameroon, Slovenia, um, Serbia, which is where Jokic is from, and Greece for Giannis. You know, it's not like in the NBA you see you see guys come from Spain, you see him come from France. I mean, these are are much smaller countries, and it's because of somebody like david stern who was the commissioner for 30 years who really tried to expand the league international and he did um that that this was possible and it's i i i took note of this last year i think when i do the nba weekly leaders every week there was one week where i think maybe seven of the eight guys i had on there weren't born in the u.s maybe eight it it was something like that and now it's start starting to become that week by week that most of these guys aren't even born in the US so it's pretty funny but you're right Giannis Giannis couldn't be more different than somebody like Jokic or, or Doncic when you look at them
0: yeah i mean it it's it's just incredible and and i it's actually i mean i've been more into the nba this year than i have been in probably the last i don't know ever since the the ever since covid and the bubble and everything i i kind of just lost Interest. I mean, I keep up to date with everything, but I'm not watching every game like I am with the NFL, MLB, you know, soccer stuff like that, uh, hockey. But you know, it's really captured my interest this year, and 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 it's just the overall dominance. You know, these guys, Giannis, uh, Djokic, Doncic, they're all they're they're all must see TV every time that they're on ESPN or TNT or something like that. I have to stop and watch because. They're going to do something that night that I've never seen before. And it's, and it's all, getting, to be, it's getting to be a common occurrence every yeah, single night.
1: And they're all on playoff teams. I mean, the, the Mavs have they're, – they're, the Mavs are kind of skating by, but it's, it looks like they're going to be a playoff team. The Nuggets are leading the West, I think. Um, yeah, they still are. You know, The Bucks are near the top of the East. All these guys are going to be in the playoffs. So in a, in a year where it seems kind of wide open, especially in the West, it's going to be a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's something to look out for throughout the rest of the year, too, is we're what? We're about halfway through, right? Or a little bit. We're yeah,
1: about halfway through. We're, we're, I think, a little less than halfway through. But um, Yeah, so it's going to be interesting know, come,
0: developments. To Yeah, come April. Yeah, come April and all that. And um, Something that we wanted to mention after this is we want to talk a little bit about the college football playoffs and how easily, by far, those are the two best playoff games I think we've ever seen uh, in, the, in the college football playoff era.
1: Yeah, I think it's the best, uh the best semi finals ever. I mean by I, I, I you can't even say you think it. I think it's the the only semifinals where there's been two blo- uh two close games. Usually you're lucky to get one. Um best game ever, well best playoff game ever, still might be that Rose Bowl between Baker Mayfield and Oklahoma and um and Georgia. I, I that Georgia team was basically Nick Chubb and, and Sony Michel. Um mm-hmm. The, that That game was ridiculous back in uh, that was that was five years ago now. But these two games are right up there. First of all, I hope I communicated well enough how much I believed in TCU. I don't even remember how much I talked about it on here.
0: Well I hope we, I... you did have a little bit of a, a of a hard on for Max Duggan. So I hope uh... we can go
1: back <laughs> hope we can go back and find where I was saying that TCU can absolutely win that game. Uh, I, I was very confused by why, I, I don't think I mentioned this on here, but why Ohio State was less of an underdog than TCU. Um, in a way, I, I'm still correct about that. TCU won, Ohio State didn't. However, Ohio State surprised me. I didn't expect that to be a really close game. Yeah. And Georgia looked vulnerable. And I'll be the first to say, I I've been all in on TCU all year, did not think they were Products of the Big 12. I thought they were a genuinely good team that had a lot of good wins. They proved me right. Um, I'll be the first to say I don't think they're going to beat Georgia. I'm 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 not on that bandwagon. I think Georgia and the SEC are too good. There's a, I think they they came out sleepwalking a little bit against Ohio State. I don't think their defense is as good as it used to be. I think TCU is going to score some points, but I don't think they win that game. I think they can cover plus thirteen and a half. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but TCU is legit they're 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 genuinely- no,
0: absolutely and this is an upstart program as well I mean Sonny Dykes who shout out Sonny Dykes who liked one of my Instagram pictures one time very randomly uh there you go look they, at you Let's yeah see, right they're, they're, well it was a post about Quentin. it was a post about Quinton Johnston that's probably yeah. why he, he liked it but shout out Sonny Dykes he's doing a fantastic job at TCU I mean they play a really really interesting style of 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 football and they have NFL talent on their team after mentioned uh, Quentin Johnson. Uh, Matt, people are saying that Max Duggan is an NFL quarterback. I didn't, I don't think that that is the case, um, but he is a phenomenal quarterback in his own right. What uh Kentrell, is that his name? Kentrell Miller, the Ken running Ryan. back Andre Miller, whatever the hell his name is. Condre Miller on the, on the, on the Rangers. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he's, he is definitely an NFL caliber running back as well. They have, a really, really—I mean, I, I guess I shouldn't be saying that they have a good defense and they give up 45 points, but they have a good bend but not break necessarily defensive style. I mean, of course, you're going to give up points to Michigan. I think Michigan came in averaging 40.8 points per game this year, so they—you know—they were going to score some points. Uh, really, it came down to the mistakes of Michigan. JJ McCarthy, two pick sixes. Uh, you know, just. I mean, that third quarter was absolutely wild. I remember I was, I was, I had the game on and I was cooking dinner. And I think for a stretch of like 25 minutes, I couldn't cook because there was yeah. just every two minutes there was a touchdown being scored. The third quarter, I think they had 44 points scored in the third quarter. It was just, it was a great game from beginning to end. And I think the, I think the better team won. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I, I'm never really a big believer in Michigan. Maybe that's just me, but they have a lot of good players that uh, have some NFL, NFL uh, comparisons as well. They have Mazzie Smith, uh, Mike Morris, guys like that. Uh, you know, they're, they're going to... I, I think Jim Harbaugh isn't going to go to the NFL this year. I think I actually... You know what? For once in my life, I actually believed... In what Colin Coward was talking about. He he brought it up and he said, I don't think it's a good year for Jim Harbaugh to come out because uh really the two jobs that Sean Payton were looking at is the the Cardinals and the Chargers. Now with the Chargers making the the playoffs, I think Brandon Staley's safe for at least yeah. another year. Yep. So you wipe that off the board right there, and you kinda had to figure the two top head coaching hires going into the year, maybe besides for D'Amico Ryan's was probably going to be Jim Harbaugh or Sean Payton. So now it really only leaves one spot for Sean Payton if he even wants to come out of retirement, quote unquote. And that doesn't really leave an ideal situation for Jim Harbaugh, which you're coaching Michigan, who has been a top five team, basic, well, not really his entire tenure, but has been a top 25 team his entire tenure. Why would you want to leave to go to a not so ideal situation? So I think he stays one more year he inevitably takes Michigan to the college football playoff again, loses in the semifinal and then and then makes his way to the NFL again next year.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. I think I think he clearly wants back in to the NFL. Um it's got to be but, an ideal situation. Yeah, though. he's not desperate enough to jump back in. I mean, look at last year. He, you know, he heavily considered the Vikings. Um That probably then, would have been a good <laughs> a good idea, a good one, but he ended up doubling the salary with Michigan out of it. So, um but he's also somebody where he can stay because the pressure isn't on for him to win in order to get back to the NFL. Like he can, honestly, they can go eight and four next year, really disappoint. And NFL teams will still hand them a bunch of money. Oh, yeah. like it, he's proven himself in the NFL. He's not like some, you know, a random college coach. So I think he's, I think, you know, that's why there's no, no harm in, uh in coming back. You're right though. The, the, the landscape this year is not great for him. I mean, I would not want to coach Russell Wilson and that's not because I, dislike Russell Wilson, it's because I feel like you're you're walking into a, a sinking ship. And then, you know, after that, what is it? You're gonna coach Kyler Murray. Um the Colts are, are a non Another sinking
0: ship. That's a very fast sinking ship is the Arizona it's, very, it's
1: a very fast sinking ship sinking ship. I you know, I don't know if anyone can save him. I'm sure you could play better. Like let's not pretend Nathaniel Hackett was a decent coach. But uh you know, I don't I don't think you want that to be your, your grand second act in the NFL if you're Jim Harbaugh. Um, and then you know the Colts, absolutely not. Um, the Texans <laughs> fighting Jeff Saturdays. If the Texans come available, absolutely not. Even even if they do have Bryce Young, which they they will, or CJ Stroud, I, I still it's too dysfunctional in Houston. So yeah, uh, this doesn't look like the year for him. I think you're right. Chargers are not going to open up. They've actually been winning the games they should win, which is a big step up from past years. So they should hold on to Brandon Staley for another year. Um, getting back to the playoff though. CJ, what do you think? Well, this really isn't about the playoff, but what do you think about that CJ Stroud, Bryce Young debate? Because they both, I know one's in the playoff, one wasn't. They both played really well yesterday. Yeah, two days ago.
0: I, I don't think at this point in the in the draft process, speaking as a self proclaimed expert, uh, <laughs> I, I don't really think it matters. We've seen everything that we need to see from CJ Stroud and Bryce Young. I, I mean, it just. Obviously, helped the fact that they both played phenomenal football uh, in those games, and Bryce Young was on another level. Three hundred twenty-one yards, five touchdowns. Uh, I, I don't, re- I don't really know. I know that CJ Stroud had a great game. Don't really know his stats off the top of my head. Uh, but if you can get your team into field goal range, and you know, and and stand toe to toe with Georgia, you must have done very, very well. Uh, I, I don't think it matters. I think we all know that. Bryce Young is going to be the number 1 overall pick regardless of size. For me, uh, for me it might sound crazy, but I'm not if I'm the Texans, I've none of these top 4 quarterbacks right now really scream like uh, that that need to be picked number 1 overall. I think there's far too much defensive talent that outweighs the quarterback talent right now. Uh, I, I think if if it was up to me, a franchise altering pick would either be Jalen Carter or Will Anderson at number one, and then focus on quarterback with the next pick. But I think it's going to be Bryce Young. I think regardless of size, he's done more than enough to show that uh, even with his size disadvantage, he's got more than enough pocket awareness and presence. He you, you can never get a clean hit on him. He's got a great arm. He's got a amazing accuracy. Uh, he's got a big play factor. For me, I think I would take C.J. Stroud over Bryce Young only because I think his size holds up a lot better than Young. At least I'm okay with C.J. Stroud taking a hit at 6'3", 220 pounds other than 5'11", or 6'190 pounds in Bryce Young. Uh, I think they're both going to be incredible. I think C.J. Stroud, his best fit would probably be in Carolina. Uh, if we're being – serious and I think Will Levis is probably going to be the second quarterback taken off the board unfortunately I think Will Levis is horrible but that's just the way that it looks The NFL scouts love him they love his size they love his you know his, his they they look at him as a Josh Allen 2.0 prototype uh, I, I think to like really answer your question in a nutshell I think Bryce Young will be taken number one overall uh, but for me personally I'd, I'd rather see Jay Stroud than Bryce Young
1: it's going to be interesting um, this weekend, next weekend, because the Texans have a legitimate chance um, to beat the 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 Colts. I mean, I think anybody can beat the Colts right now. Yeah. That could that could move them down to the number two pick. Now, the number one pick would then be the Bears, who are not taking a quarterback. But do they, you know, do they offer it up to to someone? Because you know, we we've talked about a few times how many quarterback needy teams there are. You feel like there's going to be some. Bidding for that number one pick, hey, even if there's a, uh, I mean,
0: that's a the ideal situation for the Bears.
1: Yeah, well, it is. because you either get an elite defensive talent, or you get a huge haul of picks. You might still get an elite defense. You could get uh, the best uh, of best both, both worlds
0: because there's still some great guys, secondary guys in the top five defensively that you can get. You know, you know, Miles Murphy is another great pick as well. Uh That's a guy that could probably go you know, five, four, five, six, something like that. Even if you go down a little bit further at the back end of the top 10, you got Tyree Wilson as well. You know, a, a really versatile defensive lineman. He's played edge defensive tackle and outside linebacker at Texas tech. Uh, you know, the, if you're the bears, you're praying and hoping that Houston wins and you get that number one overall pick. That would really, really be the ideal situation for, for the bears because you can't, you can't lose. Either way, yeah, you know you get the number one overall pick, you take uh, Will Levis or or Jalen Carter, and you have a generational defensive player, or you trade the pick not that far down, and you still get an absolute haul for it. You know what? Honestly, this might sound crazy, but the way that the Saints have been winning and the fact that the Eagles have kind of fallen out of that top five with that, that pick that they have for the Saints, call me crazy, but if the Bears have that number one overall pick, I'm the Eagles. I'm calling the Bears. I'm taking that number one overall pick, and I'm getting Will Anderson or or Jalen Carter.
1: Why not? Can you imagine? Howie Roseman. I could see Howie Roseman doing that. I mean, he's he's pulled off so many moves, especially when you least expect it. Yeah, why not, man?
0: You're playing with house money. You have a top 10 pick that's not even yours. Package that with your pick that you're probably not going to get. I mean, the Eagles don't really need that much, man. It's going to be a surplus pick. I was thinking that they're going to take a running back with that pick at the back end of the first round. Mm-hmm. You know, you package those two picks. Maybe you add a second or a third. You try and get up as far as you can. Maybe, you know, maybe add a player in there or something, and you get Will Anderson or Jalen yeah. Carter. That's maybe just, that you know, be... I like to think chaotically. That's just me.
1: Well, I mean, if anybody operates chaotically, it's Howie Roseman. I mean, look at that trade with the, with the Saints last year. Yeah. Just a, a good luck. <laughs> complete jumbled mess of the swap of of like six picks so you 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 never really know what you're going to get out of him It'd be interesting uh to see what what happens with that pick uh but i guess we can i guess we have other days to talk about the draft next week the draft order will be set I yeah we, i mean much we, much could listen, out listen, we could figure other than we could sit Texas here and win.
0: talk about it all but i think what we should do is one episode i think we should just maybe like a maybe like a midweek special. We just dedicate an episode to like a, a first round ASN mock.
1: Yeah, I think that would be
0: a lot of fun. I think that'd be good. Yeah, I think I think we because I'm actually stopping, you know, quick plug for myself real quick here. I'm actually uh, this this week's mock will be my last of, for quite some time because then I'm going to start doing I'm going to start focusing in on the player profiles that I've been doing and uh, seven round mock drafts for each team. So that's what actually put my channel on the map last year. So I'm hoping that it, uh, you know, it 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 doubles it uh, again this year. So I'm getting greedy, I'm, <laughs> but yeah, no. So I think that would be a lot of fun. Um, you know, you're a smart guy. You know, you can yeah, you, you would yeah. do you would do well. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. I think I think um, getting back, we went down a real rabbit hole there. But I think getting back to now, the college football final. TCU and Georgia, I would like to get your uh, unbiased opinion on what you think
1: is going to happen. Yeah, I mean, TCU's – it's weird. Georgia, you know, last year was this great dominant defensive team, and they still have a great defense, but they didn't really show it (laughs) against Ohio State. They didn't show it that much against LSU either in the SEC title game. Um, of course, during the regular season, it looked great, especially against Tennessee. I think they're going to give up some points. I think TCU – this is what we learned about TCU in the – in the. I, I knew they had the talent. This is what we learned about them against Michigan. They're extremely confident. They're completely immune to these momentum shifts. You know, that Michigan steals – how many times did Michigan go and steal the momentum back in that game? Probably four or five times. At least TCU, in the third quarter, yeah. TCU did not care at all. Um it was forty-one twenty-two, and then it went to forty-one thirty-eight in like the blink of an eye. And they they didn't care. Quentin Johnston went and took it seventy-six yards. Um, they're not rattled. You know, you never know. This is an even bigger stage. But if they weren't rattled against Michigan, I don't think they're really going to be rattled um, against Georgia. Uh, so I think they're going to score some points. I think Georgia's defense is proven that that um, they're going to give up some points. They didn't get a ton of pressure uh, on CJ Stroud. Jalen Carter was was neutralized at times. Um and they don't have Nolan Smith, so they don't have a huge pass rush right now. Um and I think CJ Stroud and Marvin Harrison Jr. just kinda of beat their secondary. Um they're not gonna score fifty one, but I think I think TCU can keep it, let's say, within ten. I could see them losing by about ten. I think they'll cover plus thirteen and a half. I don't think they get blown out. I do I think it's possible they get blown out. Like sure, you know, maybe they are rattled on the national stage and they go down and then they they have a hard time figuring it all out. Um you know, I don't think TCU is going in there, and I don't think it's going to be the other way around. I don't think TCU is going to take a big lead and blow it. Maybe I'm wrong. You know, um, I think I think Georgia's got too much of a complete package right now with how well the yeah. offense has been. Um, I'd like to see more of Brock Bowers, who didn't have a huge impact until the end. Yeah.
0: Very interesting but, as well that Brock Bowers didn't have a big impact because they were highlighting before the game, and I, I couldn't have agreed more at the time that Ohio State didn't really have a linebacker or a safety that could cover Brock Bowers. And they did a really, really good job of pretty much neutralizing him throughout the game. I mean, obviously, you you know, Georgia was looking other ways as well, but you know, I mean, if, if nothing, if he was nothing, he was at least a distraction and probably took two defenders with him every time. He's incredible. I can't wait. I can't wait until he's eligible next year to, to enter the draft. He's, He's to me, he seems like a top 10 pick already for 2024, but yeah, I, I think you're right. Uh, one thing that I think would benefit TCU is if they can get pressure to Stenson Bennett. I mean, we, we, we know how I feel about Stenson Bennett. That's a 25 a year old man throwing slant passes to 18 year old five-star recruits and acting like he's the second coming of Jesus Christ. I mean, you know, he's, he's ridiculous. Uh, and I saw a report the uh, yesterday that a lot of scouts view him as a higher than a day three prospect. And I wanted to throw my TV screen out the window. I'm like, this guy stinks. I'm like, he he would never be good at the NFL level. Anyway, sorry. Uh, I just I, I dislike Stenson Bennett so much. Uh, you know, I think if they can get pressure to Stenson Bennett, I think that obviously that would be ideal. Now their defensive line is on the smaller side. They run a lot of slant. Uh, packages, so they're going to try and confuse the Georgia offensive line because what they don't have in size, they have in speed and quickness on that defensive line. I think their their biggest defensive tackle is only about three hundred or three hundred and five pounds. So it could go either one of two ways. It could be they get bullied off the line of scrimmage and Georgia just runs all over them, or you know they could kind of get the better of the Georgia offensive line and make plays in the backfield. So. That'll be interesting as well. Uh, It's going to be interesting to see who lines up on Brock Bowers as well. Uh, And on the TCU side, you know, Keely Ringo lined up against Marvin Harrison Jr. and only gave up one catch for 16 yards and a touchdown. But stats are misleading as Marvin Harrison Jr. put Keely Ringo in a blender all game. And really the only reason why he only gave up one catch for 16 yards and a touchdown is because they took – keely Ringo off of Marvin Harrison Jr. after they saw that display on that in the first quarter, they were like, all right, you're you're out, buddy. We're gonna we're gonna try and get some safety help over the top. Georgia likes to leave their cornerbacks on an island. So it'll be interesting to see if keely Ringo is left on an island against Quentin Johnson, because I think that can go very south for keely Ringo very, very fast if if they do that. So it'll be interesting to see if they give him or whoever lines up on Quentin Johnson safety help over the top. Uh, he's just a beast, man. He really is. I mean, yeah. he hasn't really been able to show his wide-receiving chops this year because, uh, you, you know, he, a little bit limited. He was injured for a couple games as well. But he's still over 1,000 yards for the season. I think he's got seven touchdowns as well, only on, like, 60 catches too, which is yeah, crazy. They they
1: utilized that deep ball, yeah. which I really I, – I thought that game could have gotten out of hand if they had actually started throwing deep. I know Michigan's got a good defense – Uh, Max Max Duggan has, I
0: believe in the FBS has the most uh, touchdowns over 20 yards this season. I think it's like 25 touchdowns. He has over 20 yards.
1: No, it felt like TCU left something on the table early on with that, with not really throwing it deep. Um, I understand taking what the defense is giving you, but it really wasn't, wasn't working for them for a little bit. Um, And then they, then eventually they started taking some shots. And of course, you know, ironically, uh, Quinton Johnson's big 76-yard touchdown was a, a short little two-yard pass yeah. that he ended up taking. I, there was some kind, of, some kind of issue with the defense there because he turned around and there was absolutely nobody behind him. I can't even give him credit for that as much as I love Quentin <laughs> Johnson. But uh, it's interesting that his big play of the day was not even a the signature deep ball for Max Duggan. Um, I had to look this up because you were talking about Bennett, Stetson Bennett's age. Max Duggan has played four years at TCU started for most of them. He's 21. He's three and a half years younger than Stenson Bennett after a four-year career at TCU.
0: What happened with Stenson Bennett? Was he like a late, like, did, did, was he like a late bloomer? Or did he like, like did he register for college later in his life or like what I happened? I mean, he must
1: have because he, I know he's been there six years. I know that's two Ouch. more years than Max Duggan. He was a walk-on in 2017. In fact, he transferred out. I think he went to like a Shuko school and then he transferred back. But still, that's six years, I know you got the COVID year, you've got the redshirt year, but he's twenty five now, right? So that must have mean he w- must have meant he was turning nineteen the fall of his freshman year, which is kinda it's just kinda early, you know, to, you know to what? turn nineteen. Usually Joe still-
0: Milton should transfer from Tennessee to Georgia next year and he should just <laughs> start throwing seventy yard flat foot bombs down the field.
1: I saw them say so Joe Milton's eligible next year, right? Yeah. So yeah, I heard them saying, like, you know, oh, we're gonna look at the future for next year in Tennessee. I'm thinking he's still eligible. You know, he had those years at Michigan. He's been Tennessee's backup slash starter. I know he was, he started the first game last year ahead of Hendon Hooker in twenty twenty one. He's been there for two years. Like where are they getting these guys? But he's actually Hooker's 20, twenty-five years old too. Yeah, I think he's let me let me take a look. He is um I think He's thirty. <laughs> He turns 23 in March. So even right. he is two years behind Stetson Bennett. You know, he'll be 23 next year. Next Stetson Bennett is just
0: the grandpa of FBS football. Stetson
1: Bennett turned 25 in October this past year. Stetson
0: Bennett's got nothing on Brandon Whedon.
1: I was going to mention Brandon Whedon, <laughs> who I think is on the verge of turning 40.
0: You know what's so funny? I just thought of it now. Like, we're talking about like Stenson Bennett being an NFL quarterback at like 25 or 26. And I'm thinking how crazy that is. Brandon Whedon was literally <laughs> 29 years old this rookie year.
1: That was a grown man. That was a grown mm-hmm. man in, in like what did
0: what did the Browns really expect from that? It's like, oh, well, well, we'll get four or five good years out of him, and then he's <laughs> going to retire because he's fucking 40 years old. Like I don't what, what were they thinking? I don't know. The Browns organization it was just a joke.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he he turns 40 this year, and that was the 2012 draft. I mean, think about some of those guys in the 2012 draft. But they, You know, that was a year after Julio Jones was drafted, J.J. Watt, A.J. Green, Patrick Peterson, all these guys who were still playing in the NFL. This is a year after.
0: And he would have been 40.
1: And he's going to be 40 this year.
0: Unbelievable. Now, well, I I figured now, since we're talking about NFL football and 40 year old quarterbacks, uh, I think it it would be a perfect transition to start talking a little bit about the NFL this week. Now, I don't necessarily want to talk about the Jets yet. Uh, we're having a good episode. We're having <laughs> some fun. I don't want to crush that right away. So I know that there's a couple games that we didn't really have to mention. I mean, we were talking about the Cardinals and the the Falcons. I mean, good for Desmond Ritter. He got his first career win. Uh, was it on, the, on his shoulder? Not really, but, you know, he did get his first career win. I do want to talk about he the Dallas the Cowboys and the Tennessee Titans, though. I want to talk about the Thursday night game. And the reason being is uh, two things. One, Dak Prescott needs to stop throwing ridiculous interceptions if the Dallas Cowboys want to have some sort of playoff success. And two, the Tennessee Titans are going to be wasting a decent roster for the next few years if they think Malik Willis and maybe the return of Ryan Tannehill is going to lead them back to the playoffs. Because honestly, I mean, Josh Dobbs actually did a a, a very, very good job. And it's funny that – Josh Dobbs, in his first career start, was twenty miles ahead of what Malik Willis has been able to do in his like first three starts
1: yeah I think well, I think that shows you all all you need to know about what they how they view Malik Willis right now, at least right now, and if they view him that way right now, I don't think they're gonna they're gonna commit to him going forward um you know i I understand it was explained as like, oh, you know this game means nothing. And uh, so we're going to give Malik Willis and some other guys the week so that they're, they're ready uh, for Jacksonville. Now they know they knew what they were doing with this because they knew if Josh Dobbs played half decent, uh, it would be hard to go against Josh Dobbs in, in week 18. They knew exactly what they were doing. They know that Malik Willis is probably not their best option, but they had to see it for themselves. Um, And they saw it. And I, I don't believe they've named a starter yet. I, I, I think it would be malpractice if it's not Josh Dobbs and, it's crazy to say that. I mean, who you know, who's saying like, uh, if they if you don't start Josh Dobbs in week eighteen, you're crazy. But that that's that's the state of the Titans right now. Um, if they go with Malik Willis in week eighteen, I think it would be a mistake. However,
0: no, it's crazy to say that Josh Dobbs gives them the best chance to win in week eighteen.
1: Yeah, no. Um, but however, I feel like you could still you could still use Malik Willis in certain situations because of his rushing ability. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, listen, it sounds crazy, but you got to do anything you can in week 18, you know, in this game that, that is all or nothing against the Jaguars team that, you know, is better than you, you kind of got to pull out all the stops. So I, you know, I wouldn't be shocked to see, even if they start Josh Dobbs, if, to see Malik Willis come in and, and have some design runs and some interesting plays. Yeah. It, um, it's, it, it, if, if you're throwing the ball, it should be Dobbs right now.
0: Yeah. It's unfortunate to see because it already kind of feels like Malik Willis has no hope in the NFL because I mean, his like, I think Josh Dobbs in one game had more passing yards than Malik Willis had in the three games that he started this year.
1: Yeah, I mean they should have let him throw a little bit more though in those other games, especially against the Texans. Like, you know, at least see what you have um, yeah. and against the against the Chiefs. He made some okay throws. There were really only like six throws the entire. He game. He still only
0: had ninety passing yards in that game.
1: Yeah, I mean because he barely threw the ball, but you no, know,
0: it it kind of feels. To me it it's a I mean, I don't want to say disrespectful because it's like, well, who are you? You're a rookie. But like, you know, to to make Malik Willis throw a football ten to fifteen times a game, and then you put Josh Dobbs in there who's never had an NFL start either, and you let him and you let him let it rip. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, well, you know, what, what does he have that I don't? Because Malik Willis has a great arm. It, you know, he he's he's capable of making NFL throws. Why don't you let him rip it? It's it's kind of interesting how they kind of coddle Malik Willis, but I think you and me are in agreement that if you want the best chance to win in Week 18, you're going to have to go with Josh Dobbs.
1: Yeah, I mean, what he's got going for him is that he's been in the league. You know, even though he hasn't started, he's been on the sideline picking up knowledge, picking up you know these these little tidbits for with many different teams, including with Ben Roethlisberger for a long time. He's been he's been doing this for a while. He's been on the sideline. He knows NFL offenses and he knows NFL defenses, even if he hasn't gotten a chance to show it. And Malik Willis is a lot younger. He's maybe more mistake prone. Um, you know, the talent advantage may not be there for Josh Dobbs, but he's the the knowledge clearly is and that's kinda comes with the territory of not being yeah. a rookie. Um well, I think we can both agree though they're not in a good situation.
0: <laughs> no. Long term they're not in a good situation. And
1: they're not in a good situation in week eighteen either. No, I don't think no. And and this
0: team feels like even if they do, because in typical boring Tennessee Titans fashion, they'll probably win on Sunday and they'll make the playoffs and they'll win a game that they're not supposed to win. And then somehow we're still sitting here. Uh, a divisional playoff weekend with the Tennessee Titans somehow still in the playoffs because that's how a Mike rabel led team just operates. Yeah, no, you know, we're, this we're happened... ready to move
1: on to Trevor Lawrence in in the playoffs. We we don't need any more of the Titans coming out of the AFC South. If believe they were... me,
0: believe me, I I am fully on board with you there. But yeah. yeah, I but going back to the the Cowboys side of things, I mean, Dak Prescott needs to needs to to ring it in a little bit. I mean, the first interception wasn't his fault, you know, tipped off the hands, nothing you could do about that. The second interception is what really got me. You know, you're throwing, I I mean, if he walked the ball over to Dalton Schultz, it still would have been intercepted. That's how covered he was. It's such an ill-advised throw. Where are you throwing the football? And this is the thing that confuses me about Dak, because on Christmas Eve, he throws a screen pass right into Josh Sweat's hands. And you're like, what are you doing? And then he goes out and goes for 325 yards and three touchdowns. But you know, in the regular season, these mistakes, I guess could be okay because you know what they walked away with two wins in those two games. But can that be, can, can that be done against San Francisco? Can it be done against Philadelphia in the playoffs? I don't think it can be. You, you know, you you have to ring in the mistakes. Da- Dak Prescott, since coming back, leads the NFL in interceptions.
1: It's funny. I said last week, well, well, when they, when they got past the Eagles, terrible interception. But at least he wasn't rattled by it. You know, he came back and had a really good game. I don't know. Maybe he should be rattled by it because he keeps making the mistakes. You know, you have to at some point, maybe there have to be some consequences. Like you losing a game because of this, because it, it, he's not cleaning them up yet. And it's going to it's going to be too late by the time he figures it out um that's that's at least my fear um you know that that i know they're gonna they're almost certainly um, unless the giants really do play all their starters the next week which i don't expect um they're going to be playing the buccaneers in the, in the Wild Card round I, I should mention the giants because they're playing the eagles and the only way the cowboys move up when the division is if the eagles lose yeah. um most likely going to be playing tampa and Honestly that's the, as much as you know everybody says don't count out Tom Brady. That's kind of the game where I'm thinking he can afford he can afford a mistake uh with the way the buccaneers offense is playing. Um yeah. but you know after that if if the eagles do get the one seed well now you're you're probably going to Philadelphia. If the giants win round 1 well then you're going to San Francisco. Both of those you're not going to be able to afford a mistake. I yeah. Think. Um especially with the way the eagles can Dominate their the Cowboys' pass defense. They already did it with Minshew, and we found out this past week that Minshew can't do it to everybody. He did it to the no. Cowboys; he couldn't do it to the Saints. Um, so, you know, you're not gonna by the time you get to the divisional round, no matter who your opponent is, you, their margin for error is gonna be it's so razor thin. Round. Yeah. So you, he's got to clean this up because it, it's becoming a it's becoming a thing very quickly. Yeah. We talked about Mahomes and his turnover issues, and that's that's another thing. But at least he's Patrick Mahomes. I mean, the Dak Prescott. Doesn't really. I don't know if he has enough to make up. Yeah, I mean the
0: game that speaks the most to me really was the game against Houston, where that's a game that if you're the Dallas Cowboys, they should have hung a fifty burger on on the on the Houston Texans, and they wound up winning at the last minute because of three bad Dak Prescott interceptions or two, okay. whatever it was. You know, got to clean up the mistakes. I mean, like, like I said, I still value. I still think Dak is a top quarterback in this league. But there are just some times where I'm watching the Cowboys and I'm just, my hand is in my, my head is in my hand, shaking my head, going, what the hell was he thinking? You got to clean up the mistakes if you want to have playoff success. And this is a team that's been hampered by playoff success for God knows how many years now. You know, it's, it's, at, at what point do you say when and you're like, okay, Dak is a great regular season quarterback, but he's not the guy for us in the playoffs.
1: Yeah, I mean it's it's year seven right now for Dak. It's time's kind of I want to say time's running out, but you you're not going to get the benefit of the doubt for much longer. I think they're going to be maybe the most fascinating team in the playoffs, though. I mean they they don't play they don't get blown out, so you know they're going to yeah. be in games like these. Games are going to be good. They're going to be competitive. You know they're they're probably going to do something stupid that ends up nearly costing them or costing them. But um, you know against Tampa would be a competitive game I think um, maybe I you know it depends how well the front 7 wrecks the buccaneers offensive line uh, but the way the cowboys pass defense is right now you feel like brady could do a little something yeah um, but you know after, even if they win that after that it could be a really good game against either the 49ers or the eagles um, and it's going to be fascinating cuz you know if they lose the first round not only are people going to say, going to question dak or even second round forget first round if they if they beat the buccaneers but then get you know lose pretty handily to the 49ers or eagles not only are people going to ask about dak they're going to ask about Mike McCarthy. which you know well, he's been know a passenger he's there. been a
0: passenger since he was hired yeah, I mean, yeah. but
1: but you know you go you go 13 and 4 which is probably what they're going to be it's going to be interesting that people are going to be questioning the coaching situation if they lose at the same time, though, you, you feel like if they figure everything out, they can make a run. I mean, this is what the Rams did last year. The end of last year, Stafford was throwing interceptions. Yeah, he everywhere. was throwing picks like there it was, was no tomorrow. It was bad. Every single yeah. game, too. Um, he cost me
0: a fantasy football championship with all the picks that he threw. Yeah, up. and
1: they lost to three teams at late in the year that they ended up beating in the playoffs. The Packers, the Cardinals, and the 49ers. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, you never know. Like, are the Cowboys a team where if Dak cleans up the turnovers, they actually – are all of a sudden one of the most complete teams in the NFL? And yeah, they, they are. Run, they, they are. Never know. So that that's why they. I think they're going to be really, really interesting to watch. But they gotta they gotta figure out where they're going to be first, either Tampa yeah. or or in the hosting game. If the Eagles can somehow lose to the Giants,
0: it's going to be interesting to see what what happens with them for sure. At least at least in Week 18, it's going to be interesting to see how this. Uh, it's amazing to me that the Eagles basically dominated all year. And they still haven't technically clinched uh they haven't even clinched the division yet, right it's yeah they
1: haven't clinched the division it's, it's so it's so funny how yeah, we
0: we're talking about them as the most dominant team or one of the most dominant teams all season, and we're going into the last week and they still haven't clinched the division but uh moving on another game I just wanted to mention slightly is the Detroit Lions and the chicago bears um you know Lions and Packers week eighteen you know the 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 i think it's whoever wins is in right that's it
1: uh no, well if the packers win they're in yeah what if, about the, the lions depend on the seahawks if the seahawks okay. win lions got nothing to play for now i i think those two games will be on at the same time so i think they will have something to play for um and i well, think
0: regardless you have something to play for because you don't want your division rival to make the playoffs so well, yeah definitely not. no no yeah
1: um but uh, the, the Rams, just, just to talk about the playoff picture, the, the Rams almost beat the Seahawks with Bryce Perkins and John Walford, who I don't even remember yeah. who was starting. It was 24-21. So, uh, Matt, Baker Mayfield against the Rams. And that was a
0: last-minute yeah. touchdown by, by yeah. Geno Smith. So, Baker Mayfield against
1: the Seahawks. I, I think there's a chance there. I don't think the Lions are done yet, although I think Seattle <laughs> does win. Um, not impossible. However, you know, the, the Packers are obviously favored at Lambeau with the way they're playing right now. Didn't I say it last
0: week? You don't want this Packers team to make the playoffs.
1: Yeah, well, it's going to be interesting because, look, if they win, they probably play the 49ers, who, as great as as they've been, they had a little bit of a letdown yesterday against the Raiders, and they kind of let Jared Stidham and Devontae Adams destroy them. Now, there's no Devontae Adams in Green Bay. We know that. Um, But there is Aaron Rodgers, who's not Jared Stidham. Uh, So it, it would be interesting. I think the 49ers would be pretty solid favorites. But how can you rule out? Aaron Rodgers in a game like that, you can't, especially yeah. a revenge game because the 49ers beat him in Lambeau last year. So, and Rodgers going back to going back to the Bay Area where I, I believe he's he's kind of from there. He is. Yeah, um, that'd be interesting. But we're not going to get ahead of ourselves because listen, I'm I I I'll be fully honest. Um, I I would absolutely love either the Lions or the Seahawks to get in instead. Oh yeah, oh, I yeah. think those. You know, it's not like oh they get in, it's a good story. I think they are actually competitive teams. Um it would have been better if the Vikings were the two seed because like Lions Vikings round one would be phenomenal. Yeah. You know, Jared Goff or Geno Smith in San Francisco, like we're probably just asking for uh, a non-competitive game, but they are both good enough that I feel like they could really hang with the 49ers.
0: Yeah, I, it, I think this I think the, the, the real the real talking point for the Detroit Lions is how bad their defense was the first seven games of the year and how great their defense has been the last, well, nine to 10 games of the year. I mean, this is, they, it's the turnaround of the season really. And, you know, um what's that? I'm drawing a blank on his name. Uh, James Houston is a really, really big unsung unsum hero for the Detroit Lions as well. And also Aiden Hutchinson being like the, what is it? The, the first player in I forget how long, to have seven in sacks and three interceptions in his rookie year. I think maybe the first player ever to have seven sacks and three interceptions. I mean, granted, that was a garbage interception at the end of the first half. But still, he's been playing lights out. James Houston had three sacks yesterday as well. The pressure, the unexpected pressure from this Detroit Lions defensive line, Isaiah Bugs, Aleem McNeil, these guys are getting pressure. And, you know, the secondary is good enough to the point where – if they had Tracy Walker back, they would be a lot better. But, you know, they're, they're good enough to the point where if the, the line gets pressure, the defense can hold. And that was the problem at the beginning of the year. The defensive line was not getting any pressure, and they were allowing the quarterback just to run rampant all over the pocket and find open guys. In the NFL, in flag football, it's tough to cover someone for seven seconds. Imagine covering someone for seven seconds in the NFL. That must feel like an eternity. You know, so so they're finally getting pressure yeah. and they're playing a lot better. And, I, you know, I would love to see this Detroit Lions team make the playoffs. I think that Dan Campbell is a perfect playoff coach yeah, because of just the like like we talked about it last week. Even when they when they lost to the Carolina Panthers, he went up to Steve Wilkes and was like, gave him like an intense handshake and was like, "Great fucking job, you killed us." And it was like, "Who does that? Like what? Co- <laughs> like who does that?" He's an animal. He's a psycho. And that's someone that I want to play for in the playoffs. A do or die game. That is someone that I'll go to war for.
1: You know, you know, he'd be a lot of fun. I mean, he he would he would take risks like nobody's taking risks in a playoff game. Uh, so I I'm I'm rooting for it. If not him, I hope the Seahawks get in. Um, I, I I do understand it will probably be Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. But <laughs> you never know. You never know. We'll see. I mean, listen, if the Lions go and beat, beat, beat the Packers in Green Bay, that would be unbelievable.
0: Yeah. So. Um, ah, I don't really want to mention – I don't really want to talk much about the Chiefs and the Broncos, other than the fact that I guess it doesn't matter how bad the Broncos are. They always play a close competitive game against the Kansas City Chiefs.
1: Yeah, they do. I mean, they seem like the the defense kind of has Patrick Mahomes' number. They had another interception yeah. yesterday. Um, unfortunately, though, well, unfortunately for the Broncos, the, the Chiefs, who really don't have that much of a pass rush, keep destroying them um, and pressuring them, to, uh, destroying that offensive line. They had five sacks the first time they played, and then yesterday they were relentlessly pressuring Russell Wilson. So you know, you can't even blame Russell Wilson for this one. It feels like they got to protect the matter. Um, <laughs> yeah but the, 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 the Broncos defense seems to know how to play Mahomes I feel like if yeah. you're playing the Chiefs in the playoffs you got to take a look at how they've done that because as good of defense as they are you know they, they just gave up 51 to the Rams I mean they, they find a way to keep Mahomes in check and I think he had like what 300 yards or something yeah Th- that's close to in check because you're going to keep him Um but they seem like they know how to play close games against him I wasn't really shocked at how close it was because they usually teams have a little bit of a boost after they fire a coach Mm -hmm. Uh, and sure enough they did. But yeah, of course it wasn't enough to to beat the chiefs. That's 15 times in a row. I think they've lost to the chiefs dating back to 2015.
0: Yeah. You know, I I don't know. I thought it was just an interesting point to bring up because it's like this team is four and 12, but yet they have two losses against the chiefs that are like three points or something like that. So I, I thought it's, it's interesting to bring up. I mean, I think whatever coach comes in next year, I think Russ has a better year. I mean, there's no – I mean, he can't go any worse than what he's done this year. I really do think it comes down to uh, – I, I think it was big – a big reason was coaching. Maybe a change of scenery as well, but I, I think that once Russ kind of calms down and you know he's got a year under his belt in Denver, I think he'll be better, but – um You know what I want to talk about right now? I want to talk about the winning football team in New York. I want to talk a little bit about the Giants and how thoroughly impressed I've been with Brian Dayball and company all season long. I mean, first off, I didn't think this, this is going to sound so rude and I'm so sorry if anyone gets offended by this. I'm really not, but I'm going to say it anyway. How is it possible that a coach looks fatter without a beard? Brian I, I like Brian Dable was completely unrecognizable with that goatee. I didn't even know it was him on the sideline. And he yeah, looks but, like 50 pounds heavier with a goatee than he does with a beard. I don't know. I yeah, just, If I
1: were him, I'd probably stick with the beard. But,
0: yeah. You know, well, I mean, it, they made the playoffs yeah. with the goatee, so God right. only knows if he's going to come out with a full-blown mustache now with the Andy Reid mustache. But, I mean, another person I'm really impressed with this entire year has been Daniel Jones. And yesterday he was just on another level of – exceptional he really was he was exceptional 91 rushing yards two touchdowns i think he had just a touch under 200 passing yards and two touchdowns i mean there wasn't a single instance in that game that i was like oh daniel jones is going to turn this ball over he was in complete control all game long and i know it's against the indianapolis colts but this is also a colts team that beat the patrick mahomes led kansas city chiefs earlier in the year as well so you got to keep that in mind. Um just a thoroughly dominant performance. Their defense played well as well. And this is a team that, you know, they're in the playoffs now. They got a little confidence. They got some swagger. They, could, I could totally see them winning in the first round, regardless of who they play. I could see it happening.
1: Yeah, well, they're, they're lined up. All it takes now for them to not play, or all it takes for them to play the Vikings in the first round is a 49ers win over the Cardinals. So that that one looks pretty baked in. It looks like they're going to be in Minnesota, which seems winnable. I mean, they almost won it two weeks ago, um, or a week ago, whatever it was. In in Minnesota, it came down to that field goal. <clears throat> um, the the way they're playing right now, I I think they absolutely can win in the first round if they're playing a team like the Vikings. Uh, the defense is is playing well enough. Kayvon Thibodeau has been steadily improving. Um, they're getting contributions from a lot of guys, including Landon Collins. And they look, Saquon Barkley looks a little better. Um, yes, you know, he, getting fresher. If he doesn't play, I hope he doesn't play this week because he's he could use a, a week off and have. I would oh, definitely could types. use it. Yeah. Um, and Daniel Jones, I mean, he tore up the Vikings' pass defense last time around, and um, you know, then he tears up the Colts uh, on the ground and through the air. He looks extremely confident. Uh, this feels like a team that could win a game in the playoffs or at least be very competitive. And Let it's me not ask really you something. We expected a few weeks ago.
0: Let me ask you, does Brian Dable win coach of the year?
1: He probably should. Um, you know, there were a lot of candidates early in the year that have kind of faded. Uh, Mike Vrabel has obviously not, is not going to be in that. Pete Carroll. Yeah, Robert I Sala think, is
0: gone now too. Robert
1: Sala is <laughs> gone. I think Pete Carroll still done a good job, but eight and eight, nine eight probably not enough. Um, there's somebody, oh, Nick Sirianni. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, yeah. Yeah. With this, if they had gone like sixteen and one, fifteen and two, maybe, yeah, like, you know they, they made the playoffs last year happen. too.
0: So like it's you know yeah. So coach I I, of the think, year, I, think, I think I think it really comes down to Dan Campbell and and Brian Dable as coach yeah. of the year.
1: And Kevin O'Connell should get a shout out too. I know everybody's like, oh, the Vikings are lucky. Like, okay, but you win a you win a bunch of one score games. There's something tactically right then. You know, um,
0: did you see that stat that if all the one score games in the NFL were reversed this year? That the that the Vikings would be one in (laughs) fifteen right now.
1: Uh, Well, listen. That well, then I feel like that almost boosts uh, Kevin O'Connell's, you know, coach of the year chances. I mean, to to win those that many one score games takes it takes a little bit of luck, of course, but it takes some correct uh, strategy. So it's kind of
0: ridiculous at this point where it's like will
1: probably Dable will probably win it. Yeah,
0: I I think I think Dable should win it. I think what he's done in in new york with daniel jones as well you, you gotta think especially if the giants win a playoff game you kind of have to give daniel jones the extension because i really think he's he's played himself into an extension in in new york i really don't think that i can't really see anyone else unless the giants are somehow willing to break the bank to bring lamar jackson in in, in free agency I, I don't really see them going after anyone else because if it's not if it's not broke, don't fix it. If Daniel Jones goes out and he's one of the main reasons why the Giants win a playoff game, and then maybe they lose in the second round in a close game, there's no reason to bring anyone else in. I, you know, you know, there's reason to bring in wide receivers at that point because when you're two, you're two leading receivers this year are Richie James, who was a seventh-round kick returner for the San Francisco 49ers, and Isaiah Hodgins, who is a Bills practice squad cast-off, and he's able to bring these guys to the playoffs. Imagine what he could do with a, a legitimate number one and a legitimate number two. You know? You got you got the tight end in place. I think Daniel Bellinger is a, is, a, is a good tight end. They got a good tight end there. You lock down Saquon long-term, this Giants team could turn into a legitimate playoff team every single year.
1: Yeah, he's going to get paid. Daniel Jones is going to get paid. I mean, whether they—I know the report came out yesterday saying that they they want to offer him and, and Saquon multi-year contracts. Um, Daniel Jones has a right though to ask for maybe more than what they're they're offering, depending on what yep. they're offering. Um, he doesn't have a ton of leverage. They could just franchise tag him, which gives him a lot of money mm-hmm. uh, for next year, but it's not a long-term thing. But uh, he, either way, he's going to be making money. And and there were there were questions, legitimate questions, before this year. About whether he'd be a starter going forward. I mean, whether he was starting material. Um, it's very rare for a first-round quarterback not to have his fifth-year option picked up. But they 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 went that route because they weren't confident in him. Uh, the fact that he's turned it around is is well, I think one of the greatest stories of the season uh, in, around the league. Uh, the fact that Daniel Jones has been able to to prove finally healthy, and then you can't even say finally with the right pieces around him, maybe the right coaching to staff around him, but even with. Um, you know, such a a low-end receiving core, he's been able to turn his career around um, and prove he's an NFL starter. So, yeah, we talked about it last week. The contract is really interesting.
0: I mean, Daniel Jones, 3,200 passing yards, 15 touchdowns, five picks, a 60.4 QBR, which is good for ninth in the league. And that's not even factoring in his rushing, which I believe he has over 700 rushing yards this season as well. I mean, listen. With what they have given him to work with, that is definitely worthy of a long-term extension, if you ask me.
1: Yeah, I mean, at least something like three years, like we talked about last week, kind of the Blake Bortles contract, except yeah. more money. Um, you know, I don't know if I'm ready to commit to him for five years. Maybe, maybe he makes them commit to him for five years. I don't know. But uh, there's, there's no question he's, he's proven he deserves to continue on. I don't think the scrutiny will go away. You know, there's going to be expectations next year with a, a better receiving core. Definitely, that they, that they maybe compete for the division, which is going to be tough in that division. No matter what happens this offseason. season, um, there will there will continue to be a spotlight on him and to see if he can take the next step. Um, but you know, you put the right pieces around him. It feels like, with, especially with Brian Dable in place, who you know knows how to engineer a passing game with Josh. With did it with Josh Allen, it uh, feels like those numbers can only go up. And if he could just avoid turnovers like he has this year, uh, he's going to be there for a long time.
0: Yep. And uh, I think it would be well, well-deserved. I mean, my – I'll be the first one to admit going into this season, I thought that Daniel Jones was going to be a placeholder as Brian Dable evaluates the quarterbacks in the draft and evaluates free agents and, and trade candidates. And uh, I think he's got his guy right in front of him. And I didn't – to be fair – I don't know Brian Dable, never spoken to the man before in my life. Uh, I'm sure he's a great guy. It looks like a guy I'd like to have a beer with. I'm sure going into being the Giants head coach, he was already looking for a replacement. And I think yeah. that he now knows that he's got his guy right in front of him. So yeah. it will be interesting to see what happens uh, in the off season. I am looking forward to some Giants playoff football, though. I'm, uh, I, won't be, I won't sit here and lie to you. Um, moving on, I, I got to mention Tom Brady we have to mention how well Tom Brady played against the Carolina Panthers this week and Mike Evans too, who finally uh, I I don't, I guess broke out of his proverbial shell because he had, he's had a consistent year. Hasn't really been that guy that we've seen over the past few years, but you know, 10 catches well, 10 10 or 11 catches, 207 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, Mind you, the only wide receiver, or player, rather, in NFL history to start a season with nine nine consecutive or eight consecutive? Nine. Nine consecutive 1,000-yard seasons. And he already has more receiving yards this year than he had his last two as well. I'm sure that this week also helped. Uh, going for 207 yards uh, definitely helped. But sorry, I threw up on my mouth a little bit there. Um... <laughs> that was terrible. Why don't you go ahead and take this? Yeah, yeah,
1: (laughs) It's uh the fact that the fact that oh
0: god okay (laughs) all right we're good. The fact that that he came into
1: the league in 2014 though, with you know the same draft as Johnny Manziel, you got all these guys that are no longer in the league. Jadavian Clowney is you know he's still in the league, but he was that number one pick that year. Uh, the fact that he's managed to have a thousand yards season every single year, we have not seen to see a year where Mike Evans sat under a thousand yards. It's pretty incredible. If anything, it's not even because of the the talent. I mean, it is the talent is one thing, but the the uh, the durability is remarkable. Yeah. I mean, that was the same draft as Odell Beckham Jr. And as talented as he is, how many times has he missed games, missed a season? I'm not saying it's his fault, but the fact that Mike Evans has been able to hold up. Uh, for nine years and and play at this consistent level. Is I think incredible. about how
0: inconsistent the quarterback play was before Tom Brady oh, yeah. came along.
1: Yep. That first year in, in Tampa when he had over 1,000 yards, uh, Josh McCown and Mike Glennon were the two quarterbacks. They they both ended up starting games. Jameis for five years with some Ryan Fitzpatrick thrown in, and then Brady. Uh, and he's managed to, to continually do it. He's going to be a Hall of Famer. Yep. Without a doubt. Uh, he, he moved up yesterday too. I was, I was, this, his performance made me take a look at the uh, where he stands all time in receiving yards. He moved up from 50th to 44th in one day on the all time list. And he's 29, you know, he's going to, next year is his age 30 season. You feel like he's got definitely a, a two or three, at least two or three years left in his prime. Um, he's going to be near that. He's going to be rising up on that list for a while. I mean especially no. with his health if he can manage to stay healthy. Um he's going to be he's going to be up there among some of the all-time greats. He already I think he passed AJ Green yesterday. Um he's you know to be 44th before the age of 30 on that yeah. list is is pretty remarkable. So Yeah, yeah shout now, out to him.
0: You mentioned all-time greats. So obviously we have to talk about Tom Brady a little bit as I mentioned before. I mean 432 yards Three touchdowns, one rushing touchdown added in, mind you. Uh, you know, the fact of the matter is, is that this has been Tom Brady, statistically, this has been Tom Brady's worst year in terms of being fully healthy and playing the entire year. Uh, and he needed a big-time performance to clinch the division. And listen, you know, age is just a number, but class is permanent, my friend. Tom Brady stepped up. He really did. He stepped up in his age 58 season and he, you know, he came through, he won the division, his 19th division. Can we even count how many teams in NFL history have 19 division wins? I know the jets certainly don't have 19 division wins under their belt. I, how many teams actually have 19 division titles? This guy in 23 seasons has 19 division titles. I mean, it's, it's insane, but He stepped up in a big way. And I also want to give a shout to Sam Darnold because Sam Darnold played a very, very good game. And I really think as the weeks go on, I really think he deserves to at least be in the conversation for a starting quarterback position on some team next year because the guy has really shown a lot of growth this year. I know he's only played in a few games. Uh, I think he's got like nine touchdown passes to one interception so far this year or something like that. He's really, really shown some progress. And if you put pieces around him he could be a Jared Goff-esque type player where you know he's not going to make people around him better but if you give him pieces he'll perform
1: yeah he had a really nice day yesterday and um uh, I guess the tough pass defense too but
0: uh I think what there were some dimes in there too Oh yeah, there's some really nice throws
1: I think what really turned this game was uh, as kind of expected um the loss of JC Horn to to an injury. The the Panthers didn't have their top corner. Um they had nobody left to cover Mike Evans. There wasn't enough in the day to cover Mike Evans. Uh the Josh Norman it turns out was not the answer to the problem. Um so that that cost them to the end. I mean,
0: do we really think that he was just going to come in and and be no. Josh Norman of 2015? And he did
1: have a he did have a pass breakup, but you know, it wasn't enough.
0: Oh yeah. wow. Oh, okay, that's good. Yeah. That's <laughs> it's a pass breakup. Yes, that's, that's
1: terrific. Uh, in limited snaps. But Uh, The fact that, too, the Buccaneers' run defense completely shut down the Panthers' running game. I mean, the fact that they were still in it that long because of Darnold's arm, pretty incredible.
0: Yeah, what completely one-dimensional offensive attack. I mean, what did they have? Like They had, like, 36 rushing yards the entire game or something like that.
1: Yeah, and meanwhile, last week against the Lions, they had, like, 400, you know. Yeah, (laughs) it's... it's... uh, But uh, the the running games couldn't be more different. Uh, So the fact that they stayed in it, was pretty incredible, but you know, also you feel like the Buccaneers run defense kind of decided this game along with the, the, the JC Horn injury yeah. for Carolina.
0: Yeah. I, it's uh, like I said, Tom Brady uh, coming in the clutch, Sam Darnold looking pretty good. Uh, I mean, the fact that the Carolina Panthers were even in the division talks this long is just proves to me how bad, you know, the, the, the NFC South is, but you know, Tampa wins. Uh I'm assuming that this will be another road to the Super Bowl for Tom Brady because you know in his first year in Tampa they weren't looking great. <laughs> well they made the they won they made the wild card, right? It was they were a yeah, yeah they were a wild card team yeah. because they went to Washington in the first playoff. Yeah, yeah, game. yeah. so
1: it's yeah. funny. Yeah, you mentioned the, you actually mentioned 19 deficient titles and one of those one of the years he didn't make it they ended up winning the Super Bowl.
0: Yeah, so it's inevitable that this will be Tom Brady's like ninth Super Bowl win or something. It's you know, played bad all season, he's getting hot at the right time. Uh speaking of Washington actually, only part of that game that I wanted to mention was the fact that Washington is officially eliminated from playoff contention with an absolutely atrocious loss. Um you know, Carson Wentz is horrible. I mean,
1: he, should not have, he, should not he have shouldn't
0: tried. have played. I mean, I'd rather them put Sam Howell in to, to play quarterback than, I mean, he led like, just to put it into perspective on how poorly Washington <laughs> could move the football with Carson Wentz, it took them 21 plays and 11 minutes to go 96 yards on a touchdown drive. Yeah, that's, that's like five, that's not even five yards a play they were He's- going on.
1: He's about to embark on a great uh, Andy Dalton type of second act now as a uh, a traveling backup. Andy Dalton has a better
0: career. career than Carson Wentz does. I,
1: no, he does, but but he's about to become Andy Dalton, where he's going to be a. a um, <laughs> You know, a, a traveling backup every year now, and head to a and different somehow
0: game. still start like seven games or plus every single yeah, year. Yeah, no, exactly.
1: I you almost feel like you're never going to get rid of Carson Wentz. He's going to be, and to be fair, like Andy, this was Andy Dalton at the end too. It's like, okay, well, he he should not be starting anymore. Uh, but then you know he comes in and fills in, and it's like, oh, he, I guess he's a high end backup. That'll probably be Carson Wentz. Like you know, yeah. he's going to land in some good situation as Carson happens. Wentz
0: will be in the Jet on the Jets next year. I already <laughs> know it. It's it just seems inevitable. No you know he's so.
1: going to be some good teams back. Backup, and then he's going to come in and we're going to be like, hey, Carson Wentz, can, uh, he can play. Maybe it was the commander's fault.
0: <laughs> I love that. It happens all the time. It's so funny because that was the same thing I was thinking with Colt McCoy. When he came in, and was like, well, maybe, you know, the Browns were the problem. Well, the Browns were the problem. But or maybe Colton, the Browns New were Orleans the problem. That was when he was coming time. in for Washington. Yeah. When he was throwing like 350 yards a game. I'm like, oh, this dude is a baller. And
1: then,
0: <laughs> but... Uh yeah, Washington's officially eliminated from playoff contention. Uh the Jacksonville Jaguars blew the ass off of the Houston Texans as we all kind of expected that they were going to. Uh not not really anything noteworthy there except Travis. I mean, uh, Trevor Lawrence didn't really have the greatest performance, but it didn't really need to have a good performance. Uh Travis Etienne yeah. had a very nice performance, a 62-yard rushing touchdown as well in there. Houston is crashing hard to the number 1 overall pick. Uh Definitely want to touch a little bit on the San Francisco 49ers and the Las Vegas Raiders because, as you mentioned before, the San Francisco 49ers defense had a little bit of a meltdown against Jared Stinham.
1: Yeah, maybe, I don't know, maybe they weren't ready or something. You know, this is a guy who doesn't really have anything on tape uh, besides for some brief appearances with the, the Patriots and some preseason, um, but, you know, you feel like, even even if there's not really much on tape, you you would have thought D'Amico Ryan's defense between the talent and the scheming uh, would have had a better day against him. Devonte Adams kind of destroyed him. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's what Devonte Adams does. He's ridiculously talented. He's probably the second best receiver in the NFL right now. Um, but yeah, it's a little bit of a. It was just a strange a strange day. Like you can make excuses like that. Like you know, oh well, they didn't really have the book on Stidham, but. You, you would think that they're too talented to let that happen. So it's going to be interesting, um, you know, if they get Aaron Rodgers in the first round um, or really whoever they get, because all the, all, all three of those teams can throw the ball um, between the lions and the Seahawks and the Packers. Uh, so it'd be interesting to see how well they hold up. You know, my, my guess is that they're going to, they're at least in the first round, they're going to go back to being the 49ers of, uh, of the past two months. And I'm, um, you know, it's, it's easy to forget they haven't, even though yesterday was a little bit of a disappointment, they haven't lost since October 23rd.
0: They haven't lost since the first game that Christian McCaffrey played.
1: Yeah, when and that was Patrick Mahomes that beat him. So uh, I think I saw a stat, too. I don't even remember what it was. It was something like, Jared. I think it was Jared Stidham and Patrick Mahomes are the only two quarterbacks to throw for 300 yards against the 49ers defense this year, which is uh, unexpected. Oh, wow. I was dead wrong about that game. I thought the forty. If I, if we did a lock of the week, I probably would have just picked the forty ers I, I I don't I don't I didn't understand why they weren't favored by more than ten against Jared Stidham after they just destroy everybody in their path. But I don't know. They know something I don't. Cause Stidham Stidham had a good day. That's the type of game that can buy you like five years in the NFL. We're not yeah. going to get rid of Jared Stidham. Yeah,
0: well, oh, it's a Matt Flynn type of game. Years.
1: He's going to be around for a long time.
0: And we're looking at. I mean. The trade of the season up until this point has to be Christian McCaffrey. I mean, yesterday he was outstanding again. Now he's got, uh, he's got almost 1,100 yards on the ground, eight touchdowns. He's averaging almost five yards a carry this season. Uh, that's also to go with 82 catches for 707 yards and four receiving touchdowns as well. I think it's safe to say he's officially back. I think he's um, back. being being Christian McCaffrey again as long as he could stay healthy. I mean, there is 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 there any system that's more offensive player friendly in the NFL than than the the 49ers? I mean, that it, it I just feel like everyone does well in yeah. for the 49ers.
1: Yeah. like yesterday, you know, my concern with the 49ers of course has been uh the quarterback situation. And I know it's very friendly, but we're not talking about the regular season. We're talking about the playoffs. Is Brock Purdy ready to win and do what he needs to do to win an NFC Championship game or more? Um, but yesterday he wasn't the problem again. He, I mean, the Raiders' defense is no good. But yeah. but he, he did what he had to do yesterday. He made some plays. I know he threw an interception that wasn't great, and that those are going to happen. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo would be doing the same thing. Uh, but he, he looked the part. So, you know, that the the good news is you feel like the defense is going to be fine uh if if Purdy continues to play well, that you'll take it. I mean that's that's the the only encouraging sign they need.
0: Yeah, I, I mean and I'm just I'm just looking at other players' stats too on the you know, on the um the forty niners. You got Kittle who's basically back missed a lot of time this year too.
1: Mm-hmm. He's
0: got, you know, seven hundred fifty yards, nine touchdowns. Brandon Ayuk is embarking on his first thousand yard season in the NFL as well. It's just like
1: and there's they, so many contributors. They don't have Debo Samuel back yet. Yeah, he's getting close. So I, I can't imagine they play him in Week 18. So he you should got be guys out there.
0: too. You got you got guys. Ray Ray McCloud is another guy yeah. who's an offensive weapon. Jawan Jennings is an off. Like they, they're just so many, so many places that we, that you could look to.
1: You know, it almost feels like there's kind of a benefit to having somebody who's been working with the the second team all year. Just look, like Brock Purdy's got a little bit of a connection with Ray, Ray, Ray McLeod. Like he's, you know, yeah. he, it's not hard to throw to George Kittle and Debo Samuel once he's back and get the ball to Christian McCaffrey. But Purdy's been working ever since the Trey Lance injury has been the backup. He's been working with Ray, Ray McLeod. He's been doing some things with Jawan Jennings. So it, it almost feels like there's a little bit of a benefit there because he knows these guys. It's not just two or three weapons that they're getting involved now. They've kind of got everybody involved. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. You know, maybe Ray Ray McLeod makes a big play in the in January in the playoffs. You never know.
0: Yeah. This is a, this was a hiccup game for the San Francisco, but to me, if anything, this is just the kick in the pants that a D'Amico Ryan's led defense needed because they've just been so dominant for the last two months that you kind of think maybe they got complacent with this game. It's like ah, it's the Raiders. You know that we're playing. We're not playing Derek Carr. I honestly think if Derek Carr plays, this game is far worse for the Raiders than probably. Than, yeah. yeah, they look
1: like they had new life. Yeah. Into them.
0: So, you know, I, I I think that this is the this is the perfect game for the 49ers to go almost right into the playoffs with because you think about it, it you know, they've been dominant for the last two months. <clears throat> uh, their defense gives up 34 points and they still win. That's the thing too, you know, and they and they still won so. It's it it was a perfect win for the 49ers to kind of maybe that maybe all we got to really get our act together to come playoff time. So that was that was um, a much needed kick in the pants, I think, for that team. Moving on now to the disappointment of being a New York Jets fan. We have the New York Jets and the Seattle Seahawks. And uh, boy, was this a stinker. Uh, I'm going to put it into perspective. I'm not going to try and get too upset because it's only 11 o'clock on Monday. I don't want this to ruin the rest of my day. But uh, And thank God that game was at 4 o'clock, by the way, Dan, because if that game was at 1, it would have ruined the rest of my day. I'm glad that I had at least until about 6 o'clock before I really, really got upset. So it only uh, ruined half your day. Yeah, it only ruined half my day and the second half of my day, so that's okay. But basically the fact of the matter is the, after the Jets' crushing loss – to the Detroit Lions, they basically had to win out to make the playoffs, like like by themselves without any help. So, what do they do on their only nationally televised game of the year? They go out and score three points at home against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Okay, not the end of the road. You could still win out, and you still need a, just a little bit of help—not even that much help—to make the playoffs. And what do they do? They double up on only scoring three points, and they score six, and they lose 23-6. to six. So in the two games that they absolutely needed to win to have some type of playoff hope, they score nine points and don't score a touchdown in the last eight quarters. Probably even further back, no, they, they scored a t- touchdown in the fourth quarter against Detroit. So, I mean, we're looking at like nine quarters of football without scoring a touchdown with the most crucial time of the year. It's It's just – completely disheartening it's it's completely disappointing because yes we went into this year thinking this Jets team would probably win anywhere between 7 to 9 games but the fact that they could have won so many more games this is this is a team that could easily be 11 and 6 at the end of the year very easily be 11 and 6 maybe even 12 and 5 as as i'm i feel crazy saying that but maybe even 12 and 5 with the games that they've played that they've lost by one score or they should have won it's just very disappointing.
1: Yeah, it feels like there's a lot left on the table between, uh, you know, the, the Patriots game that they lost, um, the Lions, uh, the Jaguars, I get, you know, Zach Wilson was abysmal. They weren't going to win that one. But, um, you know, that, that Vikings game where it feels like if they had just had one one single touchdown, you know, did, did one positive thing in the red zone, they would have uh, come away with that one. Uh, it's a it's a very disappointing end to a to a season that started off with a ton of promise. Um, you know, I think what became clear yesterday is is that the next Jets quarterback is not on the roster. No, um, we know that. I, I think, um, you know, I hate to say it, but Mike White was the problem yesterday. Mike White and was I, fucking
0: terrible. Just was, say it. He man. was terrible. The decision making
1: <laughs> was terrible. Well, no, he was the decision making was terrible. The throws were off. Everything was different. And, um, you know, there are, some, there are some very arrogant Jets fans out there who are like, oh, well, you know, I guess I guess Zach Wilson wasn't the problem. that Well, no, Mike White being the problem doesn't mean that Zach Wilson was not the problem. They can yeah. both be the problem. <laughs> Zach Wilson was definitely the problem. Uh, it, not to say that everything else is perfect, but Zach Wilson was the biggest problem with this team when he was starting. And yesterday, Mike White was the biggest problem with this team. Um, there are also some Jets fans who were saying, well, you know, you – you should have known this. This is Mike White. This is not the same Mike White we saw again again in those other no. games. It's just not. You know, I'm not saying Mike White was perfect against the Bills and the Vikings and all that. I'm not saying he deserves to be the, the quarterback of the future. I don't think he does. I'm not saying he's going to be a starting quarterback anywhere. But this was not the Mike White that we saw in those games. And you know, for we who knows the reason. It's it's probably the ribs if we're being honest. Um, you know, either he wasn't, wasn't comfortable with the rib, wasn't comfortable with the thing he had on, um, he looked a little more scared out there against a defense that really didn't give him much reason to be scared. Um, he, he wasn't making throws, uh, even when he had the opportunity to make some good, big throws. Um, this was not, you know, we're, we're not saying Mike white is the perfect quarterback, but this clearly wasn't the Mike white that we saw when he was fully healthy early in the season. It's, it's, it's not, he was making throws that he was missing yesterday.
0: But yeah, um, not only that, uh, I heard I heard someone say I'm part of the most ridiculous Jets group on Facebook that is just, I'm only in it because of the ludicrous comment the ludicrous comments that people make. Someone goes, "Oh, well Mike White was probably playing not at 100%." Listen, if Mike White's not 100%, I don't want him to play. This is a crucial football game. Put Joe Flacco in there. If he's not if he's not 100% This is a crucial football game that you need to win. And yes, Mike White does give you the best chance to win at the quarterback position right now. But if he's playing at 75%, I'd rather a 100% Joe Flacco go in there and play than a 75% Mike White. People need to understand that there's no merit in losing like the way that the Jets did if you're not 100%. You shouldn't be playing if you're not 100%. And it really did kind of look like on some plays that Mike White was not 100% and i know that we'll never get the full truth out of it the jets will never go out and say oh you know mike white was not 100% but because that makes the organization look that much worse mm-hmm. that you're you're parading a quarterback out there in a must win game that's not 100% you know they ne- we're never going to hear the truth about that but it's just it's frustrating because i just looked back and even if even if you count the Jacksonville Jaguars' loss and the Seattle Seahawks' loss. There's three games right there, the the, the 10-3 game against the, the Patriots, the 27-22 game where the Jets had eight plays on the one-yard line to score a touchdown and win, and then you have the Detroit Lions game where they gave up a 51-yard touchdown to Brock Wright where there wasn't a defender within 75 miles of him. That's three right there. You're, you're ten and six right now. You're ten and six right now. If 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 you just come away with one crucial play here and there, because I got news for you, I really think that if the Jets don't give up that punt return touchdown, the Jets probably win that game six three in overtime with a field goal. Uh, the game against, like I said, if Braxton Berrios isn't playing red zone offense, the they probably they probably win that game too or if they convert like you said one of those field goal drives into a touchdown drive they win probably and then you know the the disgrace against the Detroit Lions at home i really think it boils down to the fact that the jets were not a very good home team this year either uh the jets got the i think they the jets got 5 of their 7 wins on the road this year uh if i'm not mistaken they're, they were a much better road team than – well, I mean, not by the looks of yesterday, but they were a much better road team than they were a home team as well. And, um, you know, I, I got to come out and say it. I said it yesterday, and I was pissed. The last five football games, Robert Sala has not gotten his team ready to play football. The Jets have looked completely unprepared the last five games, yeah. as opposed to when the Jets started off 6-3. and three, there was only one game where they looked unprepared, and that was the game against the Bengals, to where when they were playing prepared football, they they looked a lot better. The last five weeks, they have just looked completely lost, on offense and defense. It's about the Jets' defense hasn't forced a turnover in five weeks. You know, it. it when one part of your team is masking the shortcomings of the other part of the team, as the defense was doing for the offense, and then the defense starts to crumble, it—, it It was just a recipe for disaster, and this was probably the worst-case scenario we could have gotten out of the last five weeks for the Jets.
1: Yeah, it's actually an underrated part, an overlooked part of yesterday's game, and it it doesn't matter as much because of how bad the offense ended up being, but the defense came out very sleepy. I mean, I don't know how – I that's the best way to put it. Like, they they didn't look like they were prepared at the beginning, and they turned it on. You know, I know the the Seahawks kind of – they didn't – they extended drives longer than they should have been, probably in the second half at times. But they weren't really scoring. Uh, the defense rose up and did its job. But in the beginning, they they kind of put the Jets in a hole. I mean, it was it was it was a little bit unfair to the offense how poorly they played early on. You know, that first drive, a quick touchdown for the Seahawks. They ended up they're lucky to hold them to a field goal on that next one. Um, all these drives, Seahawks were getting over midfield, um, whether they were turning them into points or not, and it put the Jets in a little bit of a hole. Uh, so that was disappointing. Now it continues to be though that DJ Reed and Sauce Gardner are, are playing very well. Um uh, they they I mean look at look at the numbers for Metcalf and Lockett yesterday. Uh the fact that, that Reed and, and Sauce were able to, to kind of quiet them down uh was really positive. But right now, that quarterback duo is the only positive thing the Jets have going for them uh, at the moment. So Yeah. You know, uh, of, I mean and
0: I love I just love these people on Twitter because, you know, the NFL uh, stats or whatever, or rookie watch and stuff like that, put out that sauce so gardener only gave up one catch for three yards. And then, of course, you get the peasants in the uh, comment section going, oh, you didn't watch the game. He had safety help over the top. I got news for you. If you watch NFL football in today's day and age, you know that every single cornerback, in man coverage gets safety help over the top it's not just sauce gardner it's not jc horn it's not patrick sertan every single cornerback gets safety help over the top in man coverage if you've played madden before and you know what two man under is that's essentially what nfl teams are running they're running safety help over the top so you could ixnay that comment right then and there because everyone gets safety help over the top, and then they go, "Oh, well, they missed three defensive pass interferences." It's like, where are you getting these stats? Where, where are you getting these from? And then, oh, well, you know, Sauce was cooked all game by DK Metcalf. Geno Smith just didn't see him. Come on, <laughs> can we come up with a better excuse than that? Let's uh, call it what it is: is that the three best cornerbacks in today's football are all under 24 years old? And Sauce Gardner, Patrick Sertan, and JC Horn.
1: The, the the Tariq Woolen people are going to be very upset when Sauce wins defensive rookie of the year in about a month.
0: Hey, you know what though? Hats off to Tariq Woolen as well because he play, he pretty much shut down Garrett Wilson. Oh, he, he's had
1: a great year but but You know what? Well, hey, hey,
0: you know what, Dan? Tariq Woolen had safety help over the top on yeah. Garrett Wilson.
1: Listen, but the, you know there are people like this. It's every year. They're like Oh, Tariq Wallin, six interceptions. That's defensive rookie of the year. He's got six. You know, they see one <laughs> sack. People did this, Raiders fans did this with Max Crosby a few years ago. Uh when Nick Bosa was defensive rookie of the year. They're like, "What? Max Crosby had more sacks. He's gotta be def- it, everybody hates the Raiders. That's the only reason he's not defensive yeah, rookie of the, the year. That's the only reason. Yeah. The junior, yeah. No, that that's what the Seahawks people are gonna say about Tariq Wallen when Sauce right rightfully wins defensive rookie of the year. Um, yeah. Uh, and yep. although Garrett Wilson was was pretty limited yesterday, I have to say, shout out to him for a thousand yard season. That does yeah, not come yeah. easily for a rookie, especially I mean, it with doesn't with, come easy for
0: a Jet receiver no, either. No, not
1: with not with three different quarterbacks. Uh, that's that's what Mike Evans did his first year with Josh McCown and Mike Glennon. Somehow had a thousand yards out of that. Um, not many thousand yard rookie seasons. Um, you know, like the ones that I can think of are Mike Evans, Odell Beckham. Um, I think Michael Thomas did it. Yeah. Jalen Waddle, Jamar Chase, and Justin Jefferson. There may be a couple others recently, but I'm not sure there are many. I don't think Amari Cooper did it, uh, so yeah, you know, it, it's, it's a, pretty
0: it's, clear that if you get if you get a consistent quarterback, that Elijah Moore and Garrett Wilson are going to be very, very successful wide receivers in the NFL. If Elijah Moore even wants to play on the Jets yeah. anymore,
1: listen, you could um, you could have me a quarterback. I think Garrett Wilson is going to be very successful. He's that good. He can, he gets himself open. I can hit him.
0: Okay. Uh, <laughs> all right. I'll take your word for that one. I'm,
1: I'm I'm almost Bryce Young's height. I can do it. Almost.
0: <laughs> I love I love like I love thinking to myself sometimes like if I'm playing football with my buddies, I'm I always try and put into perspective like some of the sizes of these NFL players. I'm like I'm like what if like, like, like what if Jelani Woods was on this this field right now at, at six foot seven, two hundred like sixty pounds. Like what would happen? Like, you know what I mean? I always love thinking thinking about stuff like that. Like, yeah. like, my friend is like six foot, 200 pounds, and he's like the biggest one out of all of us. And that would be like one of the smaller players on, a fo- yeah. on an NFL football field. It's just funny to think about. But back to the matter is the Jets, despite the fact that we really went into this year with no expectations, expectations change based off what you see on the field. Mm-hmm. And you can't help but feel a little disappointed at the second half of the season for the Jets, especially after – Right before the bye week, beating the Buffalo Bills. What well, I mean, and it, it didn't get higher than that going into the bye week at what was that six and three? Yeah. I mean, to finish off right now at seven and nine, hopefully eight and nine, because I really think that if Tua and Teddy don't play, I think the Jets beat the Miami Dolphins in Week 18. Well, but of
1: course they will. That's what the Jets do. They win in the last week of the season. Yeah, when it when it doesn't matter anymore. Yeah, yeah. No. that's the Rex Ryan special. He used to do that all the time.
0: Yeah, they make the make it look better than it is. Uh, last game I want to talk about here before we eventually part ways for this week is the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Baltimore Ravens. The only reason why I really want to talk about this is because not only are the Pittsburgh Steelers still somehow alive in the playoff race, but Mike Tomlin is one game away from somehow not having a losing
1: season. <laughs> well, at least at least if they miss the playoffs, uh, you know that'll be that'll be something to, to hold on to.
0: Who are they playing? The Browns in Week Seventeen. Playing
1: the Browns, who've been playing oh, better lately. God. But yeah, I think it's, it's, saying, right. it's in. Oh my God! They're somehow going to do it. it. So they'll probably do it. Um, and Deshaun Watson, you know, he he played well. The Browns are playing all right lately. But uh, this is in Pittsburgh. You know, one team is playing for something, the other isn't. Um, so I'm probably going to end up picking Steelers in that one. Um, I, In one way, though, I'm glad that the Steelers won because it safeguards us against the possibility of the Patriots losing and still making the playoffs at eight and nine. I think that you know, they don't look like a playoff team right now. I'm no, sorry. Uh, though neither do the Steelers and neither really do the Dolphins. So somebody I else mean, is going to get in. Right. But I'd rather it not be. <laughs> I'd rather Boston fans not get to enjoy that. Uh, I think I'd rather Steelers fans. Very nice of you. Then so it's an it's an interesting path, though. I mean, the fact they've gotten back up here, so they need uh, the the Patriots and Dolphins to lose, which th- that which very is very possible. possible. That that's very possible, and they need to beat the Browns, um, and they would get in. Now, this Steelers related, but it's actually pretty funny. We mentioned, oh, you know, watch it, watch the Titans go out and win. Well, if the Titans win. But the Patriots, Steelers, and Dolphins all lose. The Jaguars are the number seven seed at eight and nine. See, so that you know, is
0: something. See, I don't know what I'd rather see because I don't <laughs> want the tight because I don't want the Titans in the playoffs because I don't think they're a playoff team. I don't want the Steelers in the playoffs because they they don't deserve to make it, and I'm tired of hearing. I'm tired of Pittsburgh Steelers fans getting bailed out every single year. Every I know this sounds like so so like bias but every year Pittsburgh Steelers fans complain about their team but they make the playoffs every single year and they somehow aren't under 500 and I'm sick of it but and, and the, I never want the Patriots to make the playoffs <laughs> especially with Mac Jones at quarterback uh, I think he's horrible and I, I guess that would be the best case scenario with with the Titans sneaking into the playoffs as the division winner but I'd I'd 100% love to see the Jaguars as as the uh, the division winners, though, because I'd love to see Jacksonville host a playoff game. That would be cool. But
1: yeah, we we might get uh, as it stands now, um, the Chargers and Jaguars in the first round. Which we really I see would. that
0: doesn't appeal to me as much as I. Why thought does it that would.
1: not? Why does that not? Herbert and Lawrence doesn't appeal to you. They they I know, players. but I
0: think that. But I think that the Chargers are a much much better football team than the Jacksonville Jaguars. I I listen,
1: think... the Chargers they they lose games that they should not lose. Going on the yeah, road. Yeah, but they're the winning games that
0: they should win now. So The
1: Jaguars blew them out early in the season. That's right. When they, they, were, when they well. were almost healthy, when they still That's right. I forgot Slater. about that.
0: What was it like 38 to 13 or something yeah, like that? Yeah, it
1: was like 10 or something. They 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 ran all over them. That's right. I eight. forgot about that. All right, maybe
0: you know what? Maybe it does have a little bit more I think appeal.
1: that would be good. Two two young quarterbacks who've never played in the playoffs making their debut against each other. Yeah. Plus, right. you know, it's not in LA, so Jacksonville is a very slight home field advantage. Alright, we did a shit on that opinion, Dan.
0: I appreciate that. Watch them blow yeah. it up
1: though, and it's uh Chargers and Titans.
0: Yeah, alright. That uh, yeah, yeah, all right. That's... Well <laughs> the Chargers and Titans were a close was a close game too.
1: Yeah, there's no there's no Tannehill walking through that door this time. Though no, I know he was injured in that game, but he played most of it. I, I you never know. You never know.
0: I am uh I will say I'm very excited for next week's episode because at this time next week, we'll be talking about playoff matchups. Yeah. So that's very exciting. We and, and I love the fact that we do weekly episodes because we can go week by week with the predictions as well. We don't have to make a, you know, we don't have to do it and run through the entire playoffs.
1: Yeah, um, that would probably end up looking pretty bad for me.
0: Yeah, so yeah, that would be horrible uh, when, you know, the Super Bowl is eventually the Jacksonville Jaguars versus the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, no, no. I'm I'm very excited for this. Also, this Monday night game is shaping up to be something very special. The Bengals and the Buffalo Bills is something that I'm looking forward to watching tonight, and I'm sure we'll be talking throughout it as well. And uh, yeah, Dan, I mean, this is uh this is a hell of a way to kick off 2023. Yeah. I think this is going to be a great year for us. I think uh, going into, I mean, this is technically year number two of the podcast, but it's really not even a year but we're going into the you know 2022 then 2023 this is a full year we're really getting a full year out of it because it's only the 2nd of January yeah uh, we're really getting a full year out of it and I'm, I'm very very excited uh and I just realized today is the, the third anniversary of my YouTube channel so there There's we go yeah. so, wow so that's that's cool too saying that that's nice i'm actually wearing the shirt uh on the back it says number 6 in Pakistan because that was my statistic uh I got an email from some like podcast statistics <laughs> last year in Pakistan. It, it showed that my, my channel was number six in sports channels at, at, uh, in Pakistan. so I had, get, I had to get it plastered on the back of my shirt. Can you uh, imagine like, Can
1: you imagine being some guy in Pakistan watching you?
0: Yeah, to be like, oh, this this guy is great. It's like <laughs> he's not even, he doesn't even understand what the hell I'm talking about. Well, actually, I did some research and I did some deep diving. The reason why I'm number six is because there is a uh, – now, this is not me trying to be funny or racial or anything or any stereotype. There is a cricket channel in Pakistan that has – well, had the same name uh. as my YouTube channel, and that's why. So – I could see the confusion, but I'm going to stick with it and I'm going to say that it was because of my original content that got me number six in Pakistan.
1: Well, I hope some people listened to you by accident and actually enjoyed it. Maybe you got some new, maybe you got some regular followers. Yeah, right. Man, just, just I, I mean, that's what I like to think.
0: And I'm glad that there's no way that I could check those statistics because that's what yeah. I like to think.
1: Yeah, <laughs> just I, let yourself believe that. Wear it proudly we'll, on the shirt. Yeah, we'll
0: just leave it like that. Yeah, totally. But yeah, so... 2023 is going to be a great year for us, Dan. Uh, Thank you guys so much for listening to episode 23, fitting 2023, episode 23. This was a great one. Dan is a great one. He's a sensational human being, and I look forward to working with him all of 2023.
1: Definitely. And I think uh, in 2023, too, we're going to be able to have – well, with the NFL season nearing an end, we're going to be able to have some more guests. Yes, definitely. Um, We're going to go
0: podcast forward in 2023. I know that we – you know, it's been a little tough, both of our work schedules and uh everything scheduling wise, but we're gonna we're gonna buckle down, we're gonna try real hard, we're gonna get some good guests, we're gonna be more consistent. And twenty twenty three is gonna be the year of ASN, I'm calling it now.
1: Absolutely. Spring and summer, we're gonna have some more guests. We don't need to follow the you know that rigid NFL schedule.
0: That's right.
1: Um, so we're gonna be able to do some interesting things. We've got some cool things coming up. Gonna be fun. That's right. And I think we should end right on that, Daniel. Let's do it.